NFC South draft grades. How did the Falcons, the Panthers, the Saints, and the Bucks fare in the 2022 NFL draft? Matt and I will get into that right now. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson with you here once again at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. We're finishing off this week with the NFC South. We've already done the East and the North in the NFC. Go back and check out those episodes if you want to see how we graded those drafts. And then we'll continue on to the West and the AFC next week here on Peacock and Williamson. Thanks for making us your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we are your team every day. That's what happens on the network. Your team is covered. Check out all the shows here on Locked On. Okay, Matt, let's start this off. We're going alphabetical in the NFC South. And this was a division where there was a lot of trades, a lot of maneuvering around. Yeah. And, um, some interesting teams here. The Falcons started off with a team that we've kind of We've been not kind to the Atlanta Falcons, I think, this offseason. No, no, which not is, at all. I think, which is fair. And they started off their draft with a wide receiver at number eight, Drake London. And I've got to be a little bit um, disappointed with that pick, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, number eight overall, Drake London, good wide receiver. We'll see if he ends up being the best wide receiver in this class. You know, 6'4", 219. I, I like the prospect. I just thought they could have this could have gone better for them at pick number eight. Uh, then you move around to the second round where you got Arnold Ebiketti at pick six in the second round out of Penn State defensive end. I liked that pick better than when I saw today, in fact, Matt, that he chose uniform number 47. Ah, really? Okay. I don't like it. I, he's got to change that. Right, right, right. Um, Troy Anderson out of Montana State <laughs> linebacker. A lot of people were big fans of pretty high for me in the second round. Uh, then there was Desmond Ritter, which was fantastic value, I think, at the top of the third round. Quarterback from Cincinnati, D'Angelo Malone, a boomer bust sort of a, a prospect as an edge rusher, a stand-up type of an edge rusher who I like a lot. And I think in the, the third round range, that was the pick from Indy that they got for Matt Ryan for D'Angelo Malone there out of Western Kentucky. Then uh, BYU running back, uh, Tyler Algier, or is it Algier? I, don't I think it's Algier, it. yeah. Algier, okay. Um, and a player I did not watch a lot pre-draft, 5'11", 224 running back, was not highly rated anywhere as their fifth-round pick. The running backs went a little higher than I expected, actually. They did, yeah. Drafts. Uh, round six, Justin Schaefer from Georgia, and then they doubled up with Georgia after getting a guard. They got the tight end, John Fitzpatrick, in round six. So that is the draft haul for the Atlanta Falcons in 2022. What were your immediate thoughts uh, post-draft with the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, going into this draft, I mean, I, as did most people, pigeonhole them as a potential first overall drafting candidate next year. Uh, certainly one of the worst rosters in the league. I'm not going to change my tune on that after any of these picks, but I understand what they're doing, that there's a lot of guys here with high ceilings. And you mentioned London at eight. Don't you feel like there were seven premier prospects, you know, uh, tack, two tackles, two edge rushers, two uh, corners, and who am I missing there? Somebody else went in the top ten. Three edge rushers. I'm sorry. You know, the, yeah, three edge, three offense. See, I would have put it at eight, and that's where I didn't ever like the Falcons going uh, wide receiver 
And yeah. I thought there's potential for them to move down if it didn't fall great. But clearly, when they got to pick eight, the last one of the guys I would put in that list at the top eight would have been Charles Cross. The Falcons have spent so many draft resources on offensive linemen recently, and it doesn't mean their offensive linemen necessarily has turned out good yet, but maybe Cross just wasn't the need fit and yeah. they like London better, but I feel like there would have been an opportunity maybe to move down, even if you didn't get a ton in, uh, you know, in trade for moving down from number eight. I mean, or you just draft the best player, which I thought would have been Cross at that point. Uh, just because of positional value and everything. But Drake London could turn out to be a superstar player, and it would be totally worth the eighth pick because we had that same conversation about the Cincinnati Bengals last year. Yeah, That's kind of where I was going with this. Was I thought there were seven premier prospects, three edge, two tackles, two corners. I didn't include Cross as a premier prospect, but I would, they might have, I think most teams would have a higher grade, you know, in a vacuum on Cross than London. Um and you never want to pick – if you pick 13th, you don't want your 13th best player. I feel like they got their 8th best player at 8. You know, they, yeah. if they were yep. picking 7, would have a much different tune to this team. But I understand not taking cross. Jake Matthews is one of the only guys you can count on on this team. But then you're taking your 10th best player at 8, not, not even maybe your 8th, because of you have, we have like one position filled on your whole team. So I don't love that. But, I mean, in terms of needs, yes, they needed everything. But going into this draft, the Falcons wide receiver room was amongst the worst positional rooms in the entire league. And then, you know, they were last in sacks last year by a massive margin. I mean, there were three or four players that had more sacks than the Falcons. So, clearly, and they're, you know, they're considered, you know, uh, high priced, you know, premium positions, receiver, edge, and they doubled down on the edges with Epiketti and Malone. I don't know that either one's an every down player, but at least they can be designated pass rushers as they develop. And I think development's a big key here because Troy Anderson isn't ready, but has a really high ceiling. They lost a linebacker to the Jags in free agency. Ritter, of course, is, you know, a, a, a shot. You hope that he's a Davis Mills or somebody like that, Jalen Hurts, you know, somebody that can make you not want to take a quarterback high next year. And I think that's worth a shot. And I think we see him play this year. It's going to be a, an odd draft next year for the Falcons if they're as bad as I think they're going to be and they're picking mm -hmm. really high. Even if they like what they saw from Ritter, will he have enough time to show them enough to where they wouldn't still draft a quarterback? And then is it a wasted third round pick in that case? And that's the somebody only else way. want him for a second, or you know, yeah, maybe they flip somebody or something like that. Oh, and and so when I look at pick eight, and I don't want to belabor the point here with uh with Drake London, he could be a fantastic prospect, and, and maybe they yeah. hit up with him, but you know, some similarities just in the style of where he wins with Kyle Pitts, their pick last year in the top 10. Is so, it crazy I, to say Pitts is even more dynamic and explosive? He, uh, he is. He is. He's I faster. Be if his workout numbers were way better, and we never really got to see that. And that's the other right, thing. Right, right. You never got to check that final box. And so to take him that high and not have all the information with Drake London is tough. I mean, the tape is great. He's going to get open. He's going to make catches. Is he going to be dynamic enough? And when you look at the next, you know, half dozen picks, Cross, Wilson, Alave, Jameson Williams, Jordan Davis, Kyle Hamilton, you know, you could have moved back six picks and, they're all the same. All of them would have been. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. No, right. You know, I you, you could, I you, I would buy the argument of any of those players in any order, uh, amongst those group of players. So, and I don't think you want to be the team that started the wide receiver run. 
Yes. And when you have so many needs on your roster, even if they took the, uh, the deal that Washington took or the deal that the Minnesota Vikings took at 11 or 12, they might've been better off for it because they, they needed, they needed yeah. volume of players and a lot of talent, a lot of different positions and, and probably wouldn't have been worse off. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's what I didn't love about it you know if they if if they took the same exact deal and it would have been worse value but if a team was calling them with an offer that washington took and they would have moved back to 16 and then you take dotson or burks and then you have the extra picks or you took the um jermaine johnson or you ended up all right jermaine johnson right you moved all the way back to 32 even and you ended up lewis scene mm-hmm. um and and had a bunch of high picks so i don't know maybe they didn't get the offers maybe they didn't get the value that they thought they should in a trade down but i just felt like yeah that was the first team where it's like man the board just didn't quite fall you would have hoped you know maybe cave on thibodeau had that little bit of a slip that you could have had at number eight yeah and trading down sounds wonderful and maybe there were offers because there were a ton of trades but if I was a trade-up team, I'd much rather trade to 12 than 8 and pay more. Like, 8's kind of no man's land. <laughs> right. I mean, unless you're trading up for cross. Yes, and and I I would have loved a team to go up in front of the Seahawks to get cross. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a smart move. And so, anyway, um, that was the Atlanta Falcons. The board didn't quite fall right. They did get some players I really liked. I liked Ebiketti. I liked Ritter. I liked Malone. And the rest of the picks, I didn't think that was great value there. Why did the running backs go so high? Like, I feel like a lot of reaches at running back. I thought we'd be on this, man. I've been preaching. I've been telling these teams, don't go running backs too high. And we started seeing backup running backs going off the board in round three. I don't love Algier, but he's, I bet he plays for them. I can't count on Cordero Patterson for much, you know, and, and he wore down at the end of the year. The comp for Algier is kind of a lesser version of James Conner. That's the type of back he is. Good in protection, tough, physical, not super dynamic. Um, I also like going back-to-back Georgia guys, keep those guys in state. I think Schaefer may end up being a starting guard, actually, if it's possible. But I'm with you on the backs. And I think there's a little bit of a misnomer that there were so many old guys in this draft, and this draft is super deep. I don't think this draft was super deep. When you get into the fourth round or so, I didn't love what was there. So I think teams just said, screw it, we'll take it back. They're going quick. <laughs> yeah, and they probably always thought their, their plan going in was probably, hey, we're going to get one of these running backs in the fifth round. And then yeah. the fifth round came around. I was like, oh, man, we're going to get, again, sort of like what happened to pick eight. It was like, oh, well, we got the last guy of our running backs. We hoped we would have gotten A, B, or C, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. And we got the other guy, but we're, was our plan to go running back here fifth round, so we did it. Yeah, I mean, they got some key positions here is, is the most important thing. Two pass rushers, a receiver, maybe your quarterback of the future. I think it's worth that risk. Yep, those those third rounders are really key because mm-hmm. I can see, you know, you're going to get starting level play, I'm sure, out of the first two rounds, most likely. Um, and then round three, if you do hit on a starting quarterback, it becomes an A draft. If you do hit on a stud pass rusher, you know, it becomes an A draft. But right mm-hmm. now it's more like a, a C plus for me. And it's the official changing of the guard. I mean, these extra second and extra third were what you got for Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a totally new team now. Totally new team, new front office, new coaching staff, no Julio, no Matt Ryan. It is a completely new team, and the rebuild is on in Atlanta. Let's talk Carolina Panthers, New Orleans Saints, Tampa Bay Buccaneers next. But I want to let the folks out there know about Blue Nile. If you're not done with your Mother's Day shopping, go to Blue Nile. Dot com celebrate the special woman in your life at bluenile.com and you can easily navigate thousands of fine jewelry options at every price point 
Mother's Day. Mark it with something enduring and special. Classic diamond stud earrings, elegant tennis bracelets, birthstone pendants, and so much more at BlueNile.com. And when you're looking for fine jewelry and you have trouble maybe choosing something, as I always do when I'm shopping for uh, the women in my life, Blue Nile has uh, jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help find memorable gift at every budget. So this Mother's Day, give mom something she'll treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. And Peacock and Williamson listeners will get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day, so use code LOCKEDON. That is code LOCKEDON, plus every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. And if you want to make some extra cash to go spend on fine jewelry, you can make that money at betonline.net, your number one source for all betting stats and sports information. And there's still tons of football to bet on, even though those draft draft props are in the books. I only did you bet on any draft props, Matt? I only bet on the one. It was the over when I got Kyle Hamilton at six and a half, and uh, and, and I won that bet easily. But that was the only one I put money on. I wish I would have put some more because there was too. a lot I was looking at, and I kind of just never did historically i've done very very well on them and i just it it wasn't like i ran out of time i just didn't think about it i never sat down and studied the props and i'm kind of mad at myself after that because i I heard people talking about bragging afterwards i'm like i would have picked that one too i wouldn't have got that one but i would have got that one i would have won more than i lost yeah this is where the the listeners benefit more than us because i think about it when i'm talking about bet online all the time i'm like i like these props i'm gonna go make a bet here but then after continue to work after i'm done talking about it the <laughs> listeners can it. turn off the podcast when it's over and go ahead to betonline.net and start making those bets and uh and i've got the mind of a, a squirrel it's just like uh, you know something else happens something else happens and i forget what i'm doing and um but you can find uh draft props on the rookies offensive rookie of the year defensive rookie of the year if you want to bet on the nfc south uh, the best odds right now are for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to finish first, the Saints second, the Panthers third, the Atlanta Falcons fourth. If you think those Falcons will not be last in the division, you can bet on exactly what spot they land on. You can get a 12 to 1 bet on the Falcons winning the NFC South. So, NBA playoffs, Kentucky Derby is back, Major League Baseball, Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering and even esports, live betting, and more. Head over to the website or use your mobile device at Bet Online where the game starts. Thanks again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Make sure you're checking out all the rest going on on the network, including your team that is covered every day right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Matt, we are on to the Carolina Panthers, who were selecting number six, and they were able to get one of those top seven players in this draft that the Falcons were not able to get their hands on. But uh, it was an offensive tackle, so I don't know if the Falcons would have still been looking at offensive tackle with their pick, even if someone like Equanu fell to them, which is who fell to the Carolina Panthers at pick six. It was just, uh, I think, I don't think the board could have fallen better, right, for the Panthers to be sitting there at six, their biggest need, offensive tackle, and all of the offensive tackles were still in the board. Perfect. I mean, to be very honest, and I don't know if they've come out and said this or whatever, everyone knows about the coach speak after the draft. I think if Carolina had the first pick in the draft, they would have taken Equanu. You know, I mean, he was their choice to tackle. I would take him for their needs and the grades I would have on the players over the corners, over both pass rushers. And really, he completes the offense, to be honest with you, with a big exception of quarterback, which we'll get to. McCaffrey, Moore, I think their tight ends are okay. They invested in a guard and a center. So their bad line might actually be a strength. 
Like, I think this offense has a chance to be pretty good. And I think the defense, as we've talked about for the last year or so, is good, young, and developing as well. But that brings us to the quarterback position. And I'm not the biggest Matt Corral fan, but I think it's worth it here. And he may beat out Darnold. I mean, if there's no Mayfield, Jimmy, or any of those type of guys involved, I'm certain that we'll see Corral at least, and he'll at least give us a chance to show us what he can do. And Mike Sando, good friend of the show, of course, good friend of mine from our ESPN days, he he put out an article this morning on The Athletic. It's just a write-up on every team and, you know, how he talks to GMs and all that. I found this really interesting is when you factor in what the Panthers gave up to trade up to 94 to get Corral, all the package, and you look at the trade value chart, they paid more for Corral than any team paid for a quarterback in this draft, except for the Steelers at pick it at one. So, you know, I don't know what to make of that, but it makes me think they like them. Maybe they couldn't get up, you know, to get the other guys, but they wanted to get a quarterback and they gave up a lot to do it. Yeah. When you look at it like that and look, uh, the, the, the second quarterback in the draft only went 10 picks ahead or right, 20 picks. Right. I'm sorry, ahead. And then, uh, and that's the other thing. So I wonder if Corral was just the guy they really liked because I think so. Or they, or they just had a group because they moved up to get Corral after Ritter and Willis were gone. But man, you could have had your choice of those guys if you go 20 picks higher. If you're going to pay mm-hmm. the price, go get your guy. And maybe Corral was their guy. But that was, uh, yeah, an interesting move there for the Panthers. But I think if you told them they would have ended up with Ekwanu and Corral with their first two picks in this draft, they would have been doing backflips, right? Because they didn't have right, picks right. in the second or third round. So it, it does make some sense when you look at it. That way, they came back with Brandon Smith in the fourth round, Penn State linebacker, Amari Barno, Virginia Tech outside linebacker, pass rusher, uh, and combine superstar, Cade Mays from Tennessee, the guard in round six, and in round seven, Kalen Barnes, cornerback from Baylor. Uh, I'd like to highlight Baylor corner Kalen Barnes and Amari Barno from Virginia Tech. One, uh, Barnes was, I assume, recruited by Matt Rule at Baylor, and he recruited a track team at Baylor, and Barnes blew up the combine, ridiculous speed. And Amari Barno is another one of those. um, I think Barnes, what, 4-2-3? Was that the the number for? Right, sub 4-3, I think. Yeah, and then Amari Barno had a crazy time. Four threes as a a 6'5", 245-pound outside backer now the tape isn't great he kind of rushes chest to chest and um but if you you give him some space where he doesn't have to hand fight with offensive linemen and let him go run around and make plays i think he could be something for you off the edge in time but very raw players there in the sixth and seventh round with ridiculous speed for the panthers you beat me to it and but i'm going to take it a step further because we talked at guanu great talked corral great again i think they would take those two all day long as their top two picks and it's probably better than they could have hoped for i know very little about Cade mays the guard out of tennessee so i'm gonna ignore him he's a six-round pick we'll see what happens fine add another lineman but brandon smith fits that mold too i mean they took three defensive players that are extreme athletes i mean i remember when brandon smith committed to penn state which is not far from here of course five-star recruit best linebacker prospect in the country, you know, and Matt Rule did this at Baylor. I mean, he got three defensive players that are massive upside athletes that, frankly, 
look like Tarzan, play like Jane. You know, Brandon Smith wasn't a very good football player, but he's 6'3", 250, and runs like a deer. You know, Barno's the same. He doesn't have any clue how to rush the passer, but boy, can he run. You know, and corners that run 4'3", don't last to the 242nd pick if they're refined in terms of their abilities. So he's doing the same thing he did at Baylor on defense. Just give me a ton of athletes, and we'll coach him up. Overall, uh, given what they came into the draft with and what they came out with, just with the, the top yeah. two picks and some lottery tickets on day three, I think they did all right for themselves, and I would give them a B grade, and I think they would have been very happy if you said, hey, you're going to come up with athletes in around three or around four, five, six, seven. Yeah, and, and they'll play special Brown teams. And Iquanu. And they would have said, how is that even possible? Okay, we'll take it. So Yeah, I mean, considering the cards in their hand, I think they made more money at the poker table than I would have guessed. Before but I think, as they always do – I think they gave up a future third in that corral pick. So we're going to look at them next year and be like, oh, they don't have any day two picks again. Right. They traded them for, you know, like they keep and mortgaging then, their credit card. You know, And then when you look back to next year as well, they, they can't give up that future value to go get a veteran quarterback if they don't love what they see from corral and Darnold during the spring, right? Because right. there was an Ian Rappaport report yesterday and there was uh, reports that they had talked with the Browns about Baker Mayfield. And then there was a report they might circle back with the 49ers about Jimmy Garoppolo if they don't like what they see from their quarterbacks during the spring. You're just going to keep putting that on your credit card and, and losing day two picks in the future. Right. And do you think that it would be smart for them to still bring in that veteran quarterback at this point? Or do you think you just move on and hope that the rookie's ready to play early or that Darnold is different than he's been throughout the entirety of his career? I think you try to win now. And I don't care about saving the job. That's all everyone talks about with this team. And what's best for the team? I think you bring Mayfield in or Jimmy because I think they could win nine games with an adequate quarterback and get in the playoffs. And maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you'd rather pick top five and hope Corral and Darnold are the worst quarterback room in the league and you stink it up and you draft a stud. But I don't know. I, I always lean towards winning's a good idea. Never a bad idea to win. Yeah. I mean, you're trying to establish a culture and all that. A team that is trying to win, two teams that are very much trying to win in the South is sure. the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll get to them next, but I want to let the folks know about Built Bar first. Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to go on vacation. And Built Bars are the perfect snack to take with you on those family vacations. Some food on the go, some healthy snacks for you and your family. Throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. Uh, put them in the car. So if you're on that road trip, you can eat something that is good for you that tastes fantastic rather than stop off at that burger joint and uh, and really ruin your diet and, and keep the kids quiet in the back seat too, because they will enjoy built bars because they are covered in 100% real chocolate. It is the best of both worlds. No more sacrificing delicious food for your health with built bar. You can have both. Most built bars contain only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which is usually upwards of 250, 300 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, and even compare it to some of the really high-calorie protein bars on the market that taste chalky, and you don't feel like you really got anything good after you finish eating one of those, and you do after eating a Built Bar. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order and find all the new flavors that are coming through all the time at Built.com. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. New Orleans Saints, Matt, 
two first-round picks. And this is a thing the Saints have been doing for a while. And this is anecdotal because I don't have all the information, but I feel like they have very small draft classes and move around. And, and they're a move, they're a move-up team rather than a move-down team. Let me take that off your plate here because that's the okay, first thing you. I was about to say is we talked about the Vikings yesterday. 13 picks, 15 picks, 12 picks, you know, seventh-rounders galore. The Saints, I mean, I'm looking at drafthistory.com. They made five picks this year, six picks a year before, four picks a year before that, five picks a year before that. And this trend goes on for well over a decade. And they've won a lot of games in that time. And they view team building different than anyone in the league. We know they handle the cap different than anyone in the league. I think this is a dangerous formula, though. Just because it's worked doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. You know, trading up, you know, basically shows that you're just not taking many bites at the apple and you're just kind of having extreme hubris that we don't miss on picks. We're the best drafting team in the league. You know, like I'm not saying, I mean, it's worked and maybe they are the best drafting team in the league, but they just give up so much for their guys. And let me run this by you before we dig into their class. Cause you know, they made the the pre draft trade and a lot of people thought it was for a quarterback. It did end up being for a receiver and a a tackle because they're a live now, you know, win now team. And to cite Sando's article from today, would, BP, would you rather have Chris Olave and Trevor Penning or, hang with me here, pick 18, 98, 101, 120, and 237 from this draft and their, 200, or, or, and their 23 first and their 24 second? That's what they gave up for these two players when it was all said and done. That's bonkers. That's pretty insane. It's pretty insane, right? Pretty two insane guys, and I don't think way. either one's an elite prospect. And, and clearly you'd rather have B, but clearly the Saints aren't worried about that. And I look at Not the at Saints. All. I saw a quote today. Oh, man, let me see if I can find this quote. Because the big thing with me, with the, the Saints, with their maneuvers and having those picks this year is that, and no first rounder next year, was that, okay, well, maybe one kind of has to be a quarterback. Is Jameis Winston really the guy, not only now, but long-term? Because if you're the Saints, you don't dra- – if if Winston's not your guy, now next year you don't have a first to draft a quarterback. Are you going to find a star quarterback in the second round, third round? Maybe. Right, um, or do you go through two more years of Jameis, then mediocre quarterback play, you don't win as much as you wanted to, you have fewer picks, then in 2024 you draft a quarterback, he's probably not ready to win for you in his rookie year. So now you're at 2025 before you've drafted and developed another quarterback that you still don't completely know about. But even if you hit on him and he's not gonna be good until 2025. Right. So that's sort of where you put yourself as a team. If you're trying to draft that first round quarterback, which most teams need to, to, to find the guy. And, you know, there's other ways to do it. Maybe they go in free agency next year and end up with, you know, Mayfield or uh, Jimmy G or, you know, uh, who knows one of these other quarterbacks becomes Mm -hmm. available and they, they find it that way. If Winston isn't the guy, but the quote today coming out, was something like, we're pretty sure James Winston is going to be our guy. Talking about this year. It's like, you better be sure James Winston's just starting oh, yeah. back this year after everything you've done, but they didn't sound very definitive about it. So that worries me a little bit. That shocks I mean, me. That's the first I heard that. Yeah. Because you know, when they gave Winston money, I thought, you know, I'm a Winston guy. I don't think he's the best quarterback in the league, but I could see them really liking him. I thought he had a very good season before injury. But then when they gave Dalton money, I thought they really aren't going to draft a quarterback. You know, that that's two investments in that quarterback room that are going to get snaps and are valuable pieces. Do you really want a first round pick on top of that? Uh, There's certainly an argument that that should have been the move, but 
you know, your point's great. I mean, if Winston's not average or above, it may be a while till they get one. Here's the quote uh, from from Dennis Allen that it's, quote, certainly the plan for Jameis Winston's to start week one. That's the question. Yeah, he was think. So you, better be, you better be pretty sure at the most important yeah. position in sports. Um, so let's get on to the draft here. We got we got to move along. So we got five about picks. But yeah. Yeah. Only five selections, two of them in the first round. Obviously, they're going to quality over quantity moved up from. 16 to 11 to get Chris Olave before that wide receiver run was over out of Ohio State at 11. 19 was Trevor Penning. I like that value for them. I think that's the right spot for Penning to have gone in in the first round. I thought there was a chance that he'd go a little higher just because teams would be fighting for offensive tackles. Uh, Alante Taylor, Tennessee cornerback in round two, and then they didn't have any picks until round five where they got DeMarco Jackson from Appalachian State a linebacker, and then defensive tackle Jordan Jackson from Air Force. I did not watch a lot of App State or Air Force tape, Matt. I'm not sure if you did, but I love this note on DeMarco Jackson, the fifth-round linebacker out of Appalachian State. 6'1", 233 pounds, and according to ESPN, uh, Jackson is the only FBS player in the 2000s, so we're talking 20 years, with a season that included at least 120 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, six sacks, and six passes defensed in 2021. So he yeah. was doing everything for that defense all over the place. So maybe they found a diamond in the rough there. Yeah, I don't know anything about the Air Force guy, but I'm sure he's a high-character, tough dude, great. you know. And I, I was shocked Jackson fell that long because he tested well, he produced. I mean, it's an up-and-coming App State program that's not a, a laughingstock anymore. I mean, and highly productive. So I thought that was a great pick for them. A lot of people are extremely high on Alante Taylor. And of course I know about him, but I didn't study him. I mean, uh, I, I didn't maybe put as much time into him as I should, but he's got a lot of traits to maybe be a safety for them or a big corner. I'm curious what the plan is for him, or is he going to be, you know, they've had some tweeners that, you know, uh, uh, who's the, they just signed Tyron Matthew and, uh, why am I forgetting the Florida guy that nobody likes with three names? That's a defensive back for them. Oh, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. Yes. So, yeah. so they've had some corner safety tweeners that they've gotten a lot out of. Maybe he's the next yeah. one. And it's funny because yeah, uh, CJ Gardner Johnson is a thorn in opposing team sides, but apparently a huge leader and the saints absolutely love. Yeah. So, uh, and then and yeah, maybe Matt, Trevor Penning's a version on offense. And yeah, and all those guys can do anything. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, he is the offensive version of that. <laughs> and, and all those defensive backs can play anywhere. And it sounds like Alante Taylor is the same type of way where, you know, he's kind of a long legged, fast corner, but he's got size, six feet, 200 pounds, could, can maybe play some safety as well. Yeah. I'm not so sure what the plan is. Center fielder after losing Marcus Williams. Super quick question for you because I think they got a little bit lucky that the Chargers or somebody else didn't snag Penning. And when he was there, I think that was a very easy pick for them. But I also think there was a tackle drop-off after him. I wonder if they would have taken Pickett at 19 ahead of the Steelers if Penning wasn't there. I was thinking that. I, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that was the plan going in is like, look, we want wide receiver offensive tackle in some combination at 16 and 19. But if those guys aren't there and Pickett is there at 19, then that'll be our pick. Yeah, I, I think they, I think the Saints and the Steelers were pretty certain that a quarterback would not go in the first 18. Yes. You know? Yep. 
Uh, letter grade. I got to slap a letter grade on this one. We've talked so much about it, and it, it, I can't give it an A because of the value, even though there was two first round picks, and it's not a very deep class. But I mean, the more I think about it, the more I like the Demarco Jackson pick because that's where yeah. you can find a future starter in the fifth round is at the linebacker position, the off ball position. He's got everything you're looking for: production, athleticism. So uh, I like that pick more and more. And obviously, I think they got two good players in the first round are these superstars in Penning and Olave with everything they had to get or give up to maneuver to get in the first round. So I'll give them a B plus, but you know, it's kind of hard uh, when you draft a couple of first rounders there and, uh, and probably got what they wanted positionally to give them a, a bad grade, but I can't give them an A. I don't give out A's easily, man. No, I wouldn't either. Yeah. So I think good. their familiarity with Olave and the Ohio state connections and all that probably endeared him to them more than other teams. And he's, you know, they're living for today. He's plug and play more than Burks or some of these other guys. He'll be a really good compliment to Thomas. I just think he's a two and you took him at 11. Yep. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they traded out of round one, ended up with the first pick in round two after the Jaguars moved up for Devin Lloyd, I believe is who the Jaguars moved up for at 27. So they ended up with a five tech sort of a defensive end in Logan Hall out of Houston with their first selection in round two, came back at pick 25 in the second round with Luke uh, Gottke. The uh, tackle probably will turn guard out of central Michigan. I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, So, I, and I right. love that value for what they needed, and they didn't force the guard need at, at pick 33, which I assume they were hoping one of those guys would fail, and the guards went kind of early, and, and they didn't like Cole Strange enough, apparently. I wonder if they would have picked Cole I wonder Strange if they would have taken Strange. Yeah, I was about to say that. You're probably like, well, let's trade back because we know we can get Cole Strange, at least the next guard on our board. And then the Patriots come over at 29 and snag Cole Strange. So they got Luke Gottecki there in um, in round two, came back in round three with Rashad White, Arizona State running back. Again, feels high. All these running backs mm -hmm. felt like they went a little high in this class. Then Cade Otten in the fourth, Jake um, Camarda out of Georgia, the punter in the fourth round again, high for a punter. So this is a team without a lot of needs and they're like, well, all right, let's get a backup running back. Let's get a punter in the fourth round. Um, I love this selection though. Maybe my favorite of the day or of all three days for them was Zion McCollum, Sam yeah. Houston cornerback in the fifth round with just all kinds of athletic ability at this point in the draft in the fifth round ridiculous traits and not even just four, three speed, but the, the agilities and just yeah. the, the raw athleticism for a player out of Sam Houston that, you know, maybe in just a couple develop of years, them. right. Uh, then we've got Anthony Andre. Anthony was the final selection defensive end out of LSU in round seven for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What'd you think about this hall for the bucks? Ah, I see what you did there. Hall, Logan hall. I don't think it's a flashy draft. I think it's a very solid draft. You've been the ones giving out, you know, grades. This screams B or B minus to a highly contending team. Um, Logan Hall to me was one of my favorite players in this draft and uh, reminds me very much of your Niner types. I, you know, Buckner, Armstead, play them all over the line. Very, very long, heavy hands. Uh, could use a little more sand in his pants to get to that, that Buckner level, you know, of every down interior player, but they don't need him to be an every down interior player. I think Hall's going to be a really good one. You nailed it with Getke. I think that's how you pronounce it. Or God, yeah, I forget. How, I think you might've said it better than me, but um, small school interior lineman plug and play. Don't overspend on them. That just seems like a Bucks move. Otten makes a lot of sense. I mean, a once very crowded tight end room, all of a sudden has some spots and then they drafted another one co to, you know, later. I don't know if we'll make the team or not. Um, we talked about McCollum. 
I just want to throw out Rashad White a little bit. And a lot of this is just dynasty knowledge. Excellent receiver. And who's to say how long Brady will be there? But a dependable receiving back is always a Brady staple. And White is a great receiver. I would imagine they made this pick with the thought of probably use Lenny for about one more year. It sounds like, I mean, I would guess that the, the, the tread's starting to fall off those tires pretty soon here. And then White can be the all-around guy next year. I'm glad you mentioned Coe. I forgot to mention him. The the six. Oh, did you? Yeah. Out of I, I don't know anything about him except he's a tight end for Minnesota. Yeah, he's big. Uh, he caught a total of 12 passes in college. Okay, I assume he's a blocker. Five. So he is a he is a block first tight end there out of Minnesota in round six. But uh, and I think it goes back to the point you talked about with maybe this class wasn't as deep as people talked about when right. you start going a receiving back late third round and a punter in the fourth round for the you Bucks. see a lot of punters and kickers in the fourth and fifth you know like it just uh, i don't think teams value the seventh round at all anymore you're just you're on the phone and you're just drafting the guys that you don't think you're going to be able to sign as undrafted free agents right so if you're an undrafted free agent or if you if you're sitting there on day three and unless you really just want the you know the tag of being someone who was drafted, but if you if you'd rather make more money and pick your location, you should tell the teams that call you that you're very willing to sign with them, so they don't yeah. draft because the guys that get drafted I think are the teams that don't feel good about signing those players in undrafted free agency, and that's how they stack their board in round seven. Yeah, I think round seven is close to useless lately, and the NFL's telling us that six doesn't have a lot of value either. And you're right, like, Williamson always talks Steelers. Steelers drafted pick at a 20, and then their last pick was a quarterback. You know, that's bizarre. And I even thought, why is, why is this? And as we talked through it on the air, I quickly realized, unfortunately, Dwayne Haskins passed away, and they're going to need another camp arm. They're going to bring four guys to camp. Well, the Steelers, if I was a undrafted free agent quarterback, I'd rather go to any team in the league, including Kansas City, Buffalo, Jacksonville, than the team that just used a first-round pick on a quarterback. So you're not going to be able to recruit that camp arm. You might as well throw away the seventh-round pick so you get the one you like. You know, and I think that's what Coe Keefe is here, you know? Mm -hmm. And also, I will say, Oladokun from the Steelers, that seventh-round pick out of South Dakota State, they're probably going to need him as a rookie after they realize how bad Mitch Trubisky is in then. <laughs> Can he pick his hands? They're too small to hold in NFL football. So and Rudolph stinks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I will give them a solid. I mean, I kind of is is it's not star studded. They they took a lottery yeah. ticket there late. They attacked needs. They doubled up on ends. They doubled up on uh, tight ends. I do think uh, Luke Godicky and or Godicky or. Gadecki, right, however yeah. you pronounce his name, right, is right. A, a solid pick in the second. Could be a starter for them. And Logan Hall, you know, the, the big end that can stop the run on early downs as an end. You can move them inside and rush on third downs from the interior. Uh, just kind of solid, unspectacular. And Rashad White could have a role on offense, even if he's not a starting running back in round three. So, you know, I'll give him a B minus. I actually like this class the more I think about it than I originally did just because mm -hmm. there wasn't any wow star picks. But a, a solid group to add depth to a team that's trying to win right now. And they, they, they drafted some guys who can still compete with a, a, with a really good roster. I very much understand it. None of these picks are like, wow, I can't believe they got him there. One other side note that I think we've seen around the league that also implies that these late round picks aren't as valuable as, you know, they maybe once were, or once were perceived to be. And I think analytics has a lot to do with that. 
fourth round's pretty high to draft a punter, but we saw a lot of kickers and punters drafted. And I think the logic behind that is I'd rather use a six round pick on or the, the Ravens are an example. I think they used one of their fifths or a fourth on a punter. And the thought process is Cook's been a great punter for a lot of years, and therefore we've had to pay him many, many million dollars. So would you rather have a fifth round pick or five million in cap space? I'll take the cap space. The only thing I could say about the Bucks draft, and, and instead of going back from 27, could they have attacked the need and, and gone up a couple picks and gotten Tyler Smith in front of the Cowboys or something like that? Um, I, I mean, the the other guards went so early. Zion went 17, Kenyon Green went 15, and they were probably hoping one of those two guys was going to get there to the 27, I bet. So um, I think that's probably what forced the move down. But I wonder if they could have gotten up and if there was a player they liked uh, a little bit earlier because teams were willing to trade out. The Bills went up to 23, the the uh, Ravens went up to 25, and the Jets went up to 26. So, you know, Jermaine Johnson, was that the guy they were going to take at 27 before they moved down? Maybe, maybe. So I mean, moved around and moved up and, and, and maybe gotten the splash player in round one. But if you – it. I love that they were proactive, that our guys aren't here. Let's move down. So. Yeah, yeah. And Namakong Su isn't signed. Neither is GH and Pierre Paul. I think Hall can do a little bit of both of those, what those guys do. You know, who's to say? And they'll probably add somebody else. But the D-line was a little thin. That is the NFC South draft classes. Let us know what you think about them at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. We'll come back with the West on Monday. Thanks everybody for joining us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you are checking out our new YouTube channel, I think a success here in week number one on YouTube, Matt, it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, uh, all your favorite podcast apps and including now YouTube, make sure you subscribe, hit that thumbs up and the bell and all the icons you can click, click them all for us. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back next time right here. Peacock and Williamson.